Well, this past Thursday was National Rolaids Day. Right? Is there anybody here who didn't eat too much? Oh, can I talk to you after services so I can get a clue for next year? Our family had a wonderful time in um, Germantown, Maryland, as we met with Tina's sister and family uh, for turkey and all the, uh, the fixins. I hope that all of you uh, had a wonderful time as well. And um, just to embarrass someone real quickly, we had one other thing to be thankful for. And that is our son, Zach, is now engaged to Elizabeth Appendix. I picked her out all by myself. Actually, Zach's older brother, Ryan, met Elizabeth first, and then I met Elizabeth second. And then Zach, you were kind of an afterthought, but we were thinking about you. So we give you thanks. And I'm sure that there are lots of things that people here uh, are thankful for uh, on this Thanksgiving. And so um, I would ask you to make sure to let the Lord know that you're thankful because all things come from him. Amen? Amen. Well, I have a little quiz here today. Actually, it's a two-question quiz. Here's the first question. What's the longest chapter in the entire scriptures? Psalm 119. It's an acrostic. It has the beginning of each verse is a Hebrew letter in alphabetical order. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, going all the way to the end of the uh, the alphabet. What's the shortest chapter in all of scripture? Anybody got it? Psalm 117. So here's the hardest question. If Psalm 119 is the longest and Psalm 117 is the shortest, what's in the middle? Oh, you got it. You guys are just so smart. And there are people who say that a particular verse in Psalm 118 is actually the middle verse of all of Scripture. And so if you'll take out your Bibles or your smartphones, or for those of you who have memorized the entire book of Psalms, oh, you're not listening to me today. I want you to turn to Psalm 118, verse 8. And by the way, this message is for all the young people here especially. Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Somebody, please say amen. I would dare to say that if we asked for a show of hands of people here who have put their confidence in other people and yet have been disappointed, we would get 100% participation. Am I right? And the scripture warns us that we are not to put confidence in man, but in fact we are to put our confidence in the Lord. It's better, dear ones, to trust in him. Believe me, it is better to trust in him. And this morning, I just want to very quickly go through this psalm, Psalm 118, because it is a psalm of thanksgiving. And in a way, this is our Thanksgiving Shabbat. The psalm begins with the Hebrew, Hodu ladonai ki tov ki leolam chasdo. 
Give thanks to the Lord, for He is... Oh, say it like you mean it. He is good, for His mercy, His mercy endures forever. And it ends with the very same line. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And in the middle of this goodness and mercy sandwich is God's instruction to us. Trust Him and not man. Why? Because He is and His mercy endures forever. So let's just take a voyage through Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His mercy endures forever. It's not enough just to say God is good. I mean, pumpkin pie with whipped cream on Thanksgiving is good. But that's, who said it? (laughs) But that's not the kind of good we're talking about. A thousand dollar check in the mailbox that you did not expect when your rent is due the next week is good. But that's not the kind of good we're talking about here either. We're talking about the goodness that surpasses all understanding. We're talking about the goodness of one who knows us better than we know ourselves. We're talking about the goodness of someone whose wisdom is so immense that he knows what we need before we need it, and he answers our prayers before we pray them. Amen? Amen. And his mercy endures forever. Last week I gave you a definition of mercy. Does anybody remember it? It's when God saves you from what you deserve. Different than than grace. Grace is what when God gives you what you don't deserve. But mercy is when God saves you from what you do deserve. Anybody here done anything this week that deserved godly punishment? Of course. You know, if not, then you're the Messiah. And you can come up here and speak. But God's forgiveness is promised in the Scripture. God's forgiveness is worked out in the Scripture. God's forgiveness is exampled in the Scripture. And His mercy, not giving us what we deserve, endures forever. You know, we could just stop here and just praise Him for the next half hour. And it really wouldn't give us a true understanding of just how amazing that enduring mercy is. I have a personal example of enduring mercy. It's our five children. Now, my wife may say amen to this. I don't know. We have not been perfect parents. Maybe Zach will say amen to that one. And yet God, in his enduring mercy, has given us five children who believe in him. Not because of anything we did, but because of everything he's done. That's an enduring mercy. It's a mercy that's seen us through emotional trials, physical trials, spiritual trials, satanic battles. But his mercy endures forever. And then the psalmist gives this declaration in verses 2 to 4. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. That's the people. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. That's the priestly class. Let those who fear the Lord now say 
His mercy endures forever. That is all mankind. Dear one, the message of this psalm is not just for the Jewish people. The message of the Hebrew Scriptures is not just for the Jewish people. Salvation was meant for all peoples at all times forever. And we are to let those who fear the Lord join with us as we say, His mercy endures forever. The psalmist then goes on to give a testimony. Verses 5-7. through I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me. There you go. Somebody said it. He answered. You know why sometimes we don't get what we hope and wish for? Because we don't ask for it. I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The understanding here scripturally is a safe, large area. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear him. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 23, it says that the Lord's mercy and goodness pursue us every day of our life. He doesn't just have our side. He's got our back. Amen? I will not fear. What can man do to me? Nothing. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Verse 8. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. By the way, putting confidence in man is the paradigm of the day. And it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That's the leaders of the world today. And we should put trust in neither. Neither the world's paradigm, the worldliness that most of the world lives by, nor the various leaders of the world who have been self-proclaiming themselves as God's gift to the world, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter what country they serve in. And then the psalmist again has a testimony, verses 10 to 14. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Now, let me see if I can correct what I believe is some false teaching. This doesn't say that the only way you can defeat people is if you say, in the name of the Lord. Because the Hebrew understanding of the phrase, in the name of the Lord, means in his identity, in his understanding, in his power, in who he is. In the name of the Lord, in the strength of the Lord, in the identity of the Lord, which now is our identity if we have claimed life through the death and burial and resurrection of his son. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. I, I, I love the pictures that the scriptures give. When I was in fifth grade, I know it's a miracle that I can remember that far back, but when I was in fifth grade at McKinney Hills Elementary School in Silver Spring, Maryland, we had a blacktop where we played kickball. Do people play kickball anymore? Yeah, I got this from the guys up here. And on the edge of the blacktop in right field was a big hill. And, of course, everybody wanted to kick the ball 
down the hill into the woods that were down there. But what they did was we decided to place the best defensive player who could catch the kickball at the bottom of the hill. So when the ball was heading there, someone would yell out, ball! And we'd be ready, and there it is. Out! And guess who the best defender was? Until the strongest guy in school, Scott Stevens, kicked the ball so far that it hit the tree. And oh, by the way, there happened to be a hornet's nest in the tree. And guess what those hornets decided to do? Get the best defender on the field. And they swarmed around me. Has anybody else been swarmed by bees? It's scary because you can't do anything right? They're all over the place. And they swarm and they fly. And if you swat at them, it gets even worse. He says, they surrounded me like bees, but they were quenched like a fire of thorns. Because you see, only God can take care of something like that. Of course, for me, what took care of me were the ladies in the cafeteria who put baking soda all over my neck and arms where I got stung. But you get the picture. Sometimes life's battles seem like a swarm of bees, but God's got the answer. God's got the answer. Dear ones, God has the answer. No, God is the answer. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. There's three S's you should remember. Strength. Song and salvation. Not our strength, but his strength. And it's a song that he sings to us as his beloved, and it's a song that we sing to him in thanksgiving. And salvation, that's his very son, Yeshua. Salvation. Verse 15 is the beginning of another declaration by the psalmist. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Dear ones, if you look through the Hebrew Scriptures, every time it talks about the right hand of the Lord, it is almost always a reference to the Messiah, to the Anointed One. God says, when no one would go for me, I sent my own arm to be my salvation. And we read in Isaiah 53, Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? His right hand does valiantly and is exalted. And because of that, verse 17, I shall not die but live. I shall not die but live. We're born dead. And as I said, I don't know, last week, the week before, I like to repeat myself because I think what I say is so cool. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. I shall not die but live. And, see, it's not just a statement. It's also an action. And declare the works of the Lord. 
the sin of the body of Messiah is for the rabbi to leave his phone on while he's preaching. The sin of the body of Messiah is to think that their salvation is something that they should possess for their very own and not share with those around them. This verse speaks exactly against that understanding. I shall not die but live, and I will declare the works of the Lord. I don't know what it was during this past week. I heard three different messages all speaking about this same topic, and here it is. The church sometimes spends too much time talking about the end times rather than talking about what we should be doing in the meantime. Oh, I can hear you going, yeah, that's right. But are we doing it? And one preacher went so far as to say this. We can even hasten the coming of the Lord if we will concentrate on what we do now because Scripture says that the Lord will not return until the message of the good news of Messiah is shared with all the nations of the world. And whose responsibility is that? Would you please raise your hand if you are a believer in Messiah Yeshua? Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this because I don't want to embarrass you. But I wonder how many's hands would stand up if I asked, have you shared your faith with anybody this week? We need to spend less time worrying about the end times and more time worrying about the meantime because that's our responsibility. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. By the way, did you know that the Lord is just? Did you know that justice is a two-edged sword? Do you know that if we do something wrong, God's responsibility is to judge us? That's called chastening. But he doesn't chasten us to death. He chases us to repentance. And that's good news too. And then the psalmist continues in verse 19 with a petition. Open to me the gates of righteousness. And by the way, the gates are not a gate. They're a person. His name is Yeshua, Messiah of Israel, the Son of God. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. It's an act of volition. The Lord doesn't reach out and drag you through the gates of righteousness. He gives you an invitation and invites you in. And now it's up to you. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Verse 21, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Yeshua T, my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And that stone is our Messiah. Do you remember, not that you were there, <laughs> but do you remember when Moses and the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness and they were thirsty? And God told Moses, strike the rock. And out of the rock came living water. Life from the dead. And then a second time, he said to Moses, speak to the rock. And Moses did what? He hit it again and in a way took credit for himself. 
Now, I want you to fast forward to the Feast of Tabernacles in Yeshua's last year on earth. He stands up in the middle of the assembly, gathered nations of Jewish people from all over the place, and he cries out in a very loud voice, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He declares himself to be the rock from which living waters flow. The stone, the rock, which the builders rejected, he's become the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation of everything that there is. This was the Lord's doing. And I think this is the the, the, the biggest, it, it, it needs to be printed in, in caps and bold and italicized and underlined. It is marvelous in our eyes. My kids sometimes kid me because when I see a sunbeam coming through a cloud, I say there's God winking at us, and I smile. Oh, Dad. And I've said it enough that now if I miss it and I'm driving with them, they'll go, hey, Dad, there's a sunbeam coming down through the clouds. And you know why I get so excited? Because it's marvelous in my eyes. And if that is marvelous in my eyes, how amazing are all the rest of God's creation? How amazing is all the rest of God's managing the universe? How many of you have trouble keeping your calendar up to date? God manages the universe. Surely it's marvelous. Marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I have another translation for you. In the Hebrew, it goes like this. Zehayom, this is the day. Nasad Adonai, the Lord has made. Nagilah, and we will rejoice. Venismacha, and be glad. Vo. Now, v in the Hebrew means in. O is third person singular possessive. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in him. You see, I'm not glad in the day. I'm glad in the one who made the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in him. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. I want to remind you that in the book of Matthew, when Yeshua is about to leave and his disciples wonder when he's coming back, he says, you will not see me again, Jerusalem, until I hear you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. These are wedding words. These are words that my son Zach will pronounce, will be pronounced over him as he walks down the aisle to meet his bride. Blessed is he who comes in the name of 
of the Lord. And this is the verse that all of us will say when our Messiah returns. And we will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. And then the psalmist ends just as he began. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Seek his face always. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. 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 It's my prayer today that all of us have a heartfelt understanding of the thankfulness that we owe the Lord. Thankfulness for His very creation of the universe. Thankfulness for His creation of mankind. Thankfulness for His thoughtfulness that knowing that mankind would sin beforehand, He prepared the prescription for eternal death. Thankfulness that that prescription is in His Son, Messiah Yeshua. And thankfulness that he opens the door to us and invites us in. I don't take for granted that everyone in this sanctuary this morning has accepted the invitation. Yet to all of us it's been made. God's love for the world is not for Jew, Gentile, black, white, Indian, Moroccan, Salvadorian, or anything else. It's for mankind. His desire is to have fellowship with each and every one of us. And he offers forgiveness. Please listen, because this is a concept that is not taught in the body of Messiah. He offers us forgiveness for his sake, too. Because his desire is that we would be in fellowship with him. His desire is that fellowship would be forever. Because his mercy endures forever, so does his fellowship endure forever. So does his invitation endure forever. And so does our acceptance or the chance to make acceptance endure forever as long as we have a breath in our body. But after that, There isn't a newscast that's broadcast any day of the week, whether it's the morning news, the afternoon news, the evening news, the liberal news, the conservative news, or whatever news, that doesn't have a record of somebody who died this way 
or somebody who died that way, or somebody who was in a car accident, or someone who was shot in a movie theater. Death is a fact of life. I used to sell insurance. Don't stone me. And we used to say that the statistics for insurance are this, one per person per life. And God gives us chances day by day by day to make a willful choice for life, to enter into the gates of righteousness, to have eternal life with him. But those opportunities are only here while we are alive, and we don't know what tomorrow brings. And so on this day that we've honored a daughter of the commandments, I want to honor the God of the commandments. And I want to offer an invitation for everyone here, if you have not already done so, to accept his gift of eternal life through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Yeshua, Jesus the Son of God and the Messiah of Israel. It's a choice. And if you say, well, I'm not sure today, I don't want to make a choice, you've made a choice. And the choice is no. I'll take my chances. I don't know about you. I don't have to take my chances anymore. My life is secured. My eternity is secured. My trust is strong in the one who secured it, the God of Israel who sent his son. And so, just very simply, if there is anyone here this morning who has never accepted the Son of God and his sacrifice for us on their behalf, but would like to do that this morning, I would simply ask that you raise your hand in the midst of brothers and sisters in the Lord. Is there anyone here this morning who wants to accept the gift of free life in the Messiah of Israel, the Son of God. Father, we give you thanks for everything. And we thank you in the name of your Son. Amen.